so wonderful to see so many of you on this feast, this patron feast of the United States, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. And yes, just to make sure we all know, we're talking about Mary's Immaculate Conception. Right? Okay. Not, Jesus was immaculately conceived, but so was Mary, is our belief as Catholics. And it's interesting because we say, well, why do we celebrate this? Well, I'd give you two thoughts. The one is a brand new thought I got about a month ago from Dr. Ruth, Queen Smith, which is that anything that we believe about Mary points to Jesus. And so our understanding of Mary helps us understand what we believe about Jesus Christ. But I think there's a second thing. Um, I always tell people that when we celebrate something about Mary, Mary is our role model and the first Christian. And so in our homily today, we'll talk about that. And let's say there's a hint about that in our second reading from Ephesians. So listen especially carefully to the second half of the Ephesians reading. When I was in the seminary in Washington, D.C., I lived down the street from the shrine of the National Basilica of the Immaculate Conception. It's said to be the largest church in the Western Hemisphere. It's huge, and it's very unusual looking. As one of my Paulist brothers has said, you look at it and you immediately think, this must have been designed by a committee. It is a mishmash of styles. It has a spire and an arch, and a dome, and over 60 side chapels that celebrate different ethnic groups that have come to the United States. Many of my friends who came to the seminary to visit me, and I took them over there, were unimpressed. Why can't it be more beautiful, they would ask. Well, if the National Shrine is supposed to be a church for all Catholics of the United States, I think it's appropriate that the architecture itself speaks of radical diversity. It celebrates the universal immigrant nature of the American church. Our church was built up by poor, simple people who traveled long distances and had great faith. And when I think about immigrants, especially on December 8th, I think of my paternal grandmother, whose birthday was today. She died before I was three, but she holds a special place for me. More than anyone else I knew, she was the quintessential American immigrant. She came here not knowing anyone except for my grandfather, whom I don't think she knew that well either. He was a young man from a neighboring village who came back to Europe to find a wife. But my grandmother came here from a village of less than 900 people, in the recently fractured Austro-Hungarian Empire with only a first-grade education. But she eventually learned to communicate in seven different languages. She worked hard, both as a day worker cleaning other people's houses, but also in her legendary over-the-top hospitality. And she never used a measuring cup in her life. And people who came and were going to learn her recipes never came back to find out how these various jars that she had sitting around, how much was in them. So her recipes have never been duplicated. Her love and devotion to her family was obvious to anyone who met her. Is it any wonder that Mary of the Immaculate Conception is the patron saint of the United States? She has so much in common with people like my grandmother. 
She came from humble circumstances. We know of her great love and devotion to her family. And we're pretty sure that she, like my grandmother, was in her late teens when she was engaged to a man she probably didn't know that well. She was asked to travel great distances and to do things that she didn't understand. Yes, today we celebrate that Mary was born without sin. But rather than concentrating on how Mary is different from us, let's reflect on what we have in common with her. From the very beginning, God had a plan for Mary. Even before she was immaculately conceived, Mary was called by God to accept a future filled with uncertainty. God calls all of us to that same thing, a future filled with uncertainty. Some of our undergraduate students obviously recognize this because last spring for their awakening retreat, they chose for their theme Jeremiah 29.11, which is, For I know well the plans I have in mind for you, says the Lord. Plans for your welfare, not for woe. Plans to give you a future full of hope. We are all called to trust in God's plan. Adam and Eve were called to trust in God's plan. Their sin was that they failed to trust in God's plan. Trying to forge a future that wasn't dependent on God. Now, we don't know exactly what God has planned for each of us in this lifetime. And actually, I've met with several of you in the last week talking about this very idea of what does God have planned for me? And I have meetings with a few more of you in the next few days. But we know that God has a plan for us. As our Ephesian reading declares, God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. In love, he destined us. It is up to us, at moments of uncertainty, to decide if we trust in the destiny God has for us, or if we decide to strike off on our own without God. Although Mary was without sin, she was not an automaton. When the angel asked her to cooperate with God's plan, she could have said no. We have the same choices available to us as Mary, as Adam, and as Eve. My grandmother was called to accept a future of uncertainty. She agreed to marry a man she barely knew and to move to another continent. God continually invites each of us to step into a future where we don't know what will happen. This feast reminds us that God has a plan for us, and someday it will make sense. Let's take a moment to give thanks for all who came before us and made the choice to trust in God in the face of uncertainty, including the immigrants who brought us to this nation. I'd like to pray especially for my grandmother, whose name, incidentally, was Mary.